Thanks for joining us in the spring of 2022 for the Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, Brother Mark Clements is going to guide us through the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The nation of Israel, while far from perfect, demonstrates for the Bible student God's high standards for his people, how we fail miserably at meeting those standards, and finding grace in Jesus. So grab your copy of the Adult Study Guide or your Bible and study along with Brother Mark. Today's lesson is entitled, The Offerings of Israel. The lesson focus is from Leviticus 16, 2, 5 through 10, 21, and 22. Today's application is, the student will understand that the Jewish sacrifices were pictures of the atonement made by Jesus on the cross. Seeking the context. Every now and then, families will sit down together and look through old photo albums or slideshows. Looking at old photos is catching glimpses of times gone by. Maybe the loved ones pictured have moved on to heaven, which might give a sense of sadness or longing. For Christians, the pictures provide a reminder and foretaste of a glad reunion yet to be experienced when all God's children are gathered home. The book of Leviticus is full of pictures of Jesus. The Hebrew name for the book is Wayikra, which is actually the first word of the book, translated, Then He Called. The Greek translation of the Old Testament, though, entitled the book Leviticus, since most of the book explains the duties of the priests, which would be of the tribe of Levi. Having given the law on Mount Sinai, God continued to explain his expectations of his people. God wanted his people to live in holiness, but he also knew they would be unable to completely obey, which is why he gave them a system of sacrifices in worship. This sacrificial system points to Jesus, who would ultimately fulfill every picture through his death on the cross of Calvary. The people of Israel finished preparing the tabernacle and then God began explaining how they would utilize it in worship. The first seven chapters of Leviticus explained five major offerings God expected from his people. The burnt offering gave prayers and praise to God, Leviticus 1 and 6, 8 through 13. The meat offering was a pleasing aroma to God, Leviticus 2, 6, 14 through 23. The peace offering demonstrated fellowship with Jehovah through sharing a meal, Leviticus 3, 7, 11 through 36. The sin offering provided atonement for sins committed, Leviticus 4 through 5, 13, and 6, 24 through 30. And the trespass offering provided compensation for wrongdoing, Leviticus 5, 14 through 6, 7, and 7, 1 through 10. The burnt offering and meat offering, or grain, were dedicatory offerings to the Lord. The animals were required to be without blemish, and the grain was required to be of fine flour combined with oil and frankincense. These would be burned as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. These offerings point to Jesus for fulfillment, as He was without blemish when He offered Himself on our behalf in order to set us apart for dedication to God. Paul wrote that Jesus gave Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, Ephesians 5.2. The peace offering symbolized a communal meal to be enjoyed between the worshiper, the priest, and the Lord. 
This offering would remind everyone of the covenant relationship God held with his people, only possible through the sacrifice of peace. This offering also pointed to Jesus in fulfillment. Paul wrote that in Jesus, those who were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. The sin offering and guilt offering provided the picture of atonement or payment for sins committed by the people. The writer of Hebrews pointed out the clear connection between these offerings and the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He reminded the reader, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews 9.22 While most of the ceremonies and feasts prescribed by God include some form of food or drink, the Day of Atonement was a day of humble affliction, self-denial, fasting, and prayer. Every year on the tenth day of the month, Tishri, God commanded His people to observe ceremonies intended to demonstrate cleansing of the sanctuary from the sinfulness of the worshipers. What we will observe today demonstrated the forgiveness of the people's sins and the carrying away of their guilt. This yearly observance demonstrated God's forgiveness of the sin debt of His people for the sin of wickedness and rebellion they had committed over the course of the previous year. As with the other sacrifices, we will see how Jesus fulfills these pictures. What benefits are there in studying the Jewish sacrificial system? Searching the text. Number one, Jesus fulfilled God's holy requirement. Leviticus 16.2 And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. God expected his people to represent him accurately to the world. So when it came to worshipful service of him, his instructions were precise and he expected diligent adherence to them. The priests were under even more scrutiny since they represented the people to God and God to the people. When Aaron's sons took their roles too lightly, God demonstrated his extreme displeasure. Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, neglected God's instructions and attempted to serve the Lord according to their own whims. While drunk with wine, they lit their censers with fire not from the altar of sacrifice, added incense, and offered strange fire before the Lord. At this provocation, God immediately sent fire from heaven that killed them both. Before Aaron could mourn their deaths, Moses reminded him of God's firm instruction that he would be sanctified and glorified before the people. Aaron accepted this word, and Moses called Aaron's cousins, Mishael and Elzaphan, to remove Nadab and Abihu from before the sanctuary and take them outside the camp. Leviticus 10, 1-4 Instead of entering into the holy place whenever he wanted, God instructed Aaron to only come in one day a year, namely on the Day of Atonement. Aaron was not free to determine how 
and when he would come before the Lord. That was a decision only God could make. The holy place behind the veil, where the Ark of the Covenant rested, was the place God chose to reveal his presence through his glorious cloud, which hovered above the mercy seat. The high priest could only enter into the Holy of Holies one day a year, for a few moments, and he was required to follow explicit instructions. Not surprisingly, priests would approach the Day of Atonement with great trepidation, making sure to follow God's commands closely. The goal of the day was to offer to God the sacrifices necessary for forgiveness in a manner that pleased Him. The writer of Hebrews pictures Jesus, the true high priest, as the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement. Instead of entering the holy place constructed with human hands, Jesus entered into the very presence of God. Instead of bringing the blood of goats and calves, Jesus entered by means of his own shed blood. Hebrews 9:11-14. Jesus did this once for all time, demonstrated by the splitting of the veil in the temple after his resurrection. Matthew 27:51-53. Jesus performed everything required for mankind's atonement exactly as God the Father demanded. He did not approach the day with nonchalance, but with much anxiety and seriousness. He did not haphazardly offer only platitudes or hypocritical pictures of atonement, but he shed his own blood. Jesus entered the holy place in purity, having committed no sin. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return, nor threaten others when he suffered. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could live in righteousness. 1 Peter 2, 22-24 Why is it important to remember we are not holy on our own? Number 2. Jesus died for our iniquities. Leviticus 16, 5-9 And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest had to first make atonement for himself and his family before he could represent the people. The high priest's preparation included offering a bullock as a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, taking his censer with incense behind the veil in the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood of the bullock before the Lord on the mercy seat. Leviticus 16, 11-14 It is very important to recognize that the priest had to deal with his own sins and the sins of his household first before he could do anything beneficial for the people at large. He was required to sacrifice a bull as a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering to rid him and his home of guilt before he addressed the sins of the people. This provides a tremendous reminder to us that before we dare address the sin in someone else's life, 
we must humbly acknowledge and repent of the sin in our own. We should hold fellow church members accountable in holiness, but before we can see clearly to discern the best way to assist in our brother's sins, we must first deal with our own. Matthew 7, 5. Once the priest had taken steps to deal with the sin in his own home, his attention could now be focused on the demonstration of removing sin from the people. To prepare for these next steps, he would cast lots for the two male goats. One would be the scapegoat, and the other would be offered as a sin offering for the people. He was supposed to take blood from the goat into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood above and in front of the mercy seat, as well as on the horns of the altar. While it may be difficult to understand completely, Jesus fulfilled the picture of the high priest and offerings from this text. As high priest, Jesus had no need to provide sin offerings for his own sin since he was sinless. The writer of Hebrews persuaded his readers to leave behind the Mosaic law in pursuit of Jesus for this very reason, writing that Jesus needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Hebrews 7.27 Jesus offered himself as the offering for our sins. His blood was shed on behalf of us. How is your life different knowing that you will not die for your sins? Number three, Jesus carried away our guilt. Leviticus 16, 10, 21, and 22. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited." And he shall let the goat into the wilderness. After the high priest finished sprinkling the blood inside the holy place, he exited to focus on the remaining live goat. The goat that was not chosen to be slaughtered would live, though its outcome would be uncertain. Aaron was to lay both his hands on the goat and confess all the sins of the people, symbolically transferring their guilt to the animal. Then the goat was to be led out into an extremely remote area of the wilderness and left. The imagery of the people's sins being carried away, never to return again, is very powerful. Imagine the people watching the animals symbolically bearing their sins being led away from them, never to be seen again. There was probably a sigh of relief and exuberant joy that filled their hearts. This ritual on the Day of Atonement was a visible lesson everyone could observe that demonstrated the kind of forgiveness God offered because of his steadfast love for his people. David expressed the joy of forgiveness of sins and removal of shame by reminding the reader, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103.12 At the cross of Calvary, our iniquities were laid on Jesus Christ. 
Isaiah wrote that Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53:4. When we receive forgiveness of sins through repentance and faith in Jesus, we stand justified before God because Jesus has removed the guilt and shame of our sins forever. We tend to hold on to the memories of past sins, either because of personal shame or because we must deal with the ongoing consequences of them. But when God forgives our sins, he forgives completely, having taken our iniquities away from us forever. How can you live without the guilt or shame of sin? Setting the application. Leviticus is full of pictures that Jesus fulfilled through his earthly ministry that led him to Calvary. He lived a perfectly sinless life and kept the law of God perfectly, earning the right to be considered as our perfect sacrifice, our Savior. After his death, Jesus entered the presence of God through his own shed blood. He paved the way for his people to come boldly into the presence of God through him, a sign of which was given by God himself when he caused an earthquake and the veil of the temple to be ripped in half when Jesus rose from the grave. With our sins completely forgiven and taken away, we are free to enter into the presence of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life as a spotless lamb on our behalf and has removed the guilt of sins forever. After receiving eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins, we are presented with a few challenges. One challenge is to simply live in gratitude toward God for the precious gift we have received. Far too often we forget the high cost of our sins and wander freely into sinful thinking and living. Those who have been redeemed have been purchased by Christ himself, which means we belong to him. He is our Savior and our Lord, guiding us into holy living. Considering the high price he paid for us, we should gratefully submit to his lordship. Another challenge we face is the tendency to dwell in guilt because of sins that have already been forgiven. Our own memories can sabotage our efforts to forget the past and move forward in holy living. We must be careful not to allow past transgressions to entangle us with guilt or shame. Jesus paid it all. Give thanks and live in holy joyfulness. What can you do to demonstrate your gratitude for the sacrifice of Jesus? Thanks for listening to another lesson on the Adult Study Guide podcast. We will catch you next week for another lesson in this great quarter. Until then, join us daily on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org.